the Todd Stansbury Podcast from RamblinWreck.com. This is the official podcast of Georgia Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around Yellow Jacket Athletics. Now, alongside Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury, here's the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra. And welcome in, everybody. Glad you found us once again. I guess it is our bowl edition, our holiday edition, whatever you want to call it, of the Toddcast, our mostly monthly visit with the athletic director, Todd Stansberry. Your chance to get involved and help us take the temperature of Georgia Tech Athletics. We always welcome your questions. We have some great questions queued up for this month's edition. But, of course, we can't do it without the athletic director, Todd Stansberry. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, all things considered a pretty low-key last couple of weeks for you. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's uh, seems like the last couple of weeks felt like the last couple of months. Well, just so that we're, everybody's on the same page, in the last two weeks or so, you hired a new football coach, you helped pin down a bowl game for the Yellow Jackets, and you served in the college football playoff committee that determined the four teams that are playing in the playoffs later this month. And I was uh, fortunate also to be uh, be a part of Calvin Johnson's uh, celebration up in New York going into oh, the yeah. College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Let's not forget that yeah, one. Yeah, no, yeah. Let, <laughs> let's throw one more thing onto the plate. My goodness. Well, if you have any questions for a future edition of the Toddcast, you can always drop it to us on Twitter. He's at, at GT Todd Stansberry. I'm at Andy Demetra. Or just drop it with the hashtag Toddcast. Had a great turnout of questions. And as you had alluded to, we've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's get right into it. And let's start with uh, maybe the first order of business, and that is the introduction of Jeff Collins as your new head football coach here at Georgia Tech. Correct me if I'm wrong, this was the first coaching search that you've led for football in your time as an athletic director, is it not? The first time I've led one, Mm -hmm. it's not the first time I've been a part of one. Okay. So I was actually... um, it, when I, uh, in my first stint of Oregon State, uh, a week into my uh, tenure there as the deputy, um, uh, Dennis Erickson resigned to take the head job with the San Francisco 49ers. So my first order of business there was actually to help Bob DeCareless, the athletic director, find, an, uh, find a head football coach. Well, you are sitting in the, uh, in the driver's seat of this surge now for the first time. And I got to ask you, now that the dust is all settled on it, what was the most eye-opening part of of this search that ultimately landed Coach Collins? Well, I think the most, I, I mean, it's just how fast and furious everything has to happen. Um, you're obviously under an incredible amount of scrutiny, whether it's, uh, you know, with the addition, obviously, of the social media element and the intrigue of of these kinds of searches, it, it definitely... Um, turns up the volume on uh, the amount of um, scrutiny, interest, all those types of things, um, which uh, creates an added layer of complexity to um, a a search like this. As an athletic director, do you have a responsibility to kind of take the temperature of the fan base based on what you're seeing out there on social media? You said that's an element that ADs didn't have to account for previously. I actually tried to totally stay away from it. Yeah. Um, I, I tried to keep blinders on and not, um, you know, not get influenced by kind of the noise. Um, uh, it's obvious that some people think this is American Idol and who gets the most <laughs> votes wins, but that's actually not the way it works. Uh, and I was focused on how can I find um, the best person uh, to lead Georgia Tech football into the future. 
And you knew that whomever you would hire would have big shoes to fill in Paul Johnson with all that he's accomplished in his 11 years on the flats. Paul said Thursday that he started seriously contemplating stepping away with about three or four games left in the regular season. When did your AD's intuition kick in that I might have to prepare for the possibility of leading a coaching surge shortly after the regular season was over? When when did that first kind of uh, kick in for you? Well, Paul and I obviously had conversations throughout the season, and um, so I knew that it was something that he would, he was potentially contemplating. Uh, but I really didn't want him to worry about that uh, in the middle of the season. I wanted him really just to be focused on let's just win games, and we'll we'll worry about that at the end of the season. And then after the uh, or prior to the Georgia game, we just decided. Because um, obviously I was also involved in the the, the CFP um, mm-hmm. committee, so I wouldn't be around Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday um, after the uh, Georgia game. So I said, hey, why don't we just get together Wednesday? That gives you an opportunity to kind of, you know, deep, debrief with your family and, and kind of decompress a little bit and... Um, um, and, and make the best decision you can make for yourself and your family. So I knew it was a possibility, but you know, pulling the trigger on something like that is such a a, a, a huge decision that um, while I knew it could happen, I don't know that I was I, I I was still somewhat surprised. And of course, knowing all that he's done and the success that he's had here over the deck, uh, you know, uh, 11 years, um, uh, it definitely, uh, uh, when it, when he told me that's what he wanted to do, um, uh, I knew that this was going to be, uh, an incredible, uh, week <laughs> or, uh, hopefully, uh, shorter, um, because, uh, those are big shoes to fill, um, and he's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, when you look at uh, everything that he's done, and I have no doubt that um, he will join the likes of Heisman, Alexander, and Dodd as uh, the next uh, Georgia Tech Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, well, speaking of that, the only coaches who have won more games at Georgia Tech, they're all in the College Football Hall of Fame. John Heisman, William Alexander, uh, Bobby Dodd. Paul also said in explaining the timing of his decision that he didn't want to mislead recruits. He wanted to make sure that his staff had an opportunity to seek other jobs if they weren't retained by the incoming head coach. And also, uh, he, he wanted to give the new coach time to develop those relationships with the recruits for the early signing period. How grateful were you as an athletic director that he chose the timing that he had uh, just from a, a transitional standpoint? Well, the thing about Paul Johnson is he is just such a stand-up guy and um, wanted to make sure that whatever he did, he did it the right way, uh, that he protected recruits, he did the best for his staff, he protected Georgia Tech. Um, and so I'm extremely appreciative. Because um, he, you know, he, he said yesterday he could have easily decided – after the season was over in early January to say, you know what, it's time for me to step away. And there's a big difference between leading a coaching surge in early December versus early January when you already have kids who had committed in the early signing period and so forth. And so uh, it, it would have completely changed the complexion, I'm sure, of what you had to do. Yeah, I know. And, and, um, and I think that 
for those people that know Paul, I don't think that they're surprised. But of course, uh, most people only know him from his, um, you know, his, uh, I guess, media persona or whatever. But um, he's a really, really high principled guy, and really felt, um, uh, especially with the looming um, early signing date that he needed to make a decision uh, because there was no way that he could sit across the table from parents and their and their young men and and promise to be around knowing that that may not be the case. Your relationship with him seemed genuinely strong. Yeah, I mean, he... You know, we have similar backgrounds, you know, just hardworking families. Uh, so we really did connect way beyond just... Um, uh, you know, from a professional standpoint, I um, it, it's been great to get to know him, and I've really enjoyed working with him. We talked about this on our last radio show, the week of the Georgia game. And in the 11 years since he was hired here at Georgia Tech, there has been another Power 5 school that has hired an option coach. Knowing what you know now from your three years with, with Coach Johnson here, does that surprise you that another Power 5 program uh, that might have – its own sort of set of obstacles to being consistently competitive in its conference and seeing the kind of success that Paul had annually overachieving and exceeding the expectations that other people had for his program. Does it surprise you that uh, another athletic director hasn't said, you know what, I want to do what Georgia Tech has done and hire an option coach? You know, actually, I think there's a lot of athletic directors that have um, have considered doing that. And in, and in fact, every single year, uh, including this one, um, other programs have put out feelers as to uh, whether Paul Johnson would be interested but or not. Surprised they haven't pulled the trigger yet. Well, I think a lot of it is how many of the, these coaches are out there, mm-hmm. and two, Paul Johnson really hasn't been interested in leaving Georgia Tech. So um, I think um, I don't know that it's necessary. You know, it's one of those two-way streets that, um, uh, and I think that's what you know people sometimes fail to realize that when you're doing a coach's search, they got to want to come too. You can't just go out and find somebody that has no interest in your program. And I think that, you know, Paul's had uh, opportunities probably every single year uh, that he's been here to go somewhere else. But um, And I'm not necessarily saying Paul in particular, right, but just, no. uh, you know, maybe some of the, the, the branches of his coaching tree with the option. You know, we've seen Ken Lolo's name and Jeff Munkin and those guys, certainly with their success at the academies. You see stories, it seems, every time this year uh, from different publications that are stumping for programs that haven't historically had a lot of consistent success to say, hey, stake yourself with the option. You're going to have a lot of success. You're going to create an advantage that you might not have otherwise had and that you can replicate the kind of success that Georgia Tech has had in the ACC. Well, I I think that if you look at his coaching tree, those guys also are always mentioned Mm -hmm. in, um, in searches, but you know what? They got some, uh, they, they, they've got, uh, They've got some good jobs. They've got some yeah. good jobs, <laughs> and um, and as a coach, you got to evaluate that. Is uh, do I leave a job that I've got right now that I'm actually doing pretty good, and and they're they're taking care of me, and I love my student athletes and all that kind of stuff. So I think that um, it's uh, it's apparent that I think a lot of programs um, look at. Uh, 
look at what Paul's done here and see if it, and really think through whether it could be duplicated at other places. Well, I know you want to see that 83rd and final win for Paul Johnson in his Georgia Tech career December 26th when we play Minnesota in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. We'll talk about that bowl game a little later on. But let's now talk about Coach Collins. And they always talk almost mythically with every athletic director about that you know, piece of paper they have in their drawer that they pull out that has already the, the list of candidates should they have to initiate a coaching search. When did Coach Collins first land on your radar with respect to this search? Well, I, I've one of the advantages that I've had this year is um, uh, I've had to watch a lot of football. So just uh, um, watching um, basically – Every team in America, and especially those as we as we got farther down the foot into the season, starting to really look at key matchups, key games. Um, obviously, with uh, with the, uh, the 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 success of um, a number of uh, a number of Group of Five uh, programs being on um, being on the radar screen nationally. Um, put uh, Jeff Collins uh, on the list um, prior to really digging really very deep into his background. Mm-hmm. What what made him a right fit? Because that's something that I know you were very evangelical about was finding not only the best coach but the coach who was the best fit for Georgia Tech. Well, when we met, uh, he really came out of the gate. Uh, Speaking my language, um, uh, he he initially he right out of the gate uh, talked about brand and culture and and all the things that anybody that's seen my whiteboard, my number one thing is brand, number two is culture, and so it, he was so on point with kind of how I feel philosophically that I felt like he had done his research and uh, he was recruiting me. Um, but then obviously digging uh, deeper into um, his background, what he's done at Temple, the uh, importance of academics at, at Temple. He puts an academic patch on um, over uh, the, the family name on the back of every jersey mm-hmm. because he feels that how you do academically is a direct representative of, of, of you representing your family. And just so many of those uh, things that were really, really innovative. That's the other thing is he's a real innovative coach um, looking for better ways to do things. And, of course, I feel like Georgia Tech innovation is one of our differentiators, and we have to be innovative here, and it's part of our DNA. So, so many of the things that I felt were really important um, and that I was looking for he just hit those those key elements right out of the gate and was already doing things um, to show uh, that he was an innovative coach, that he was uh, committed to academics. And then you add that, his, fa- his, his uh, coaching tree. And um, anybody that gets hired by George O'Leary twice uh, says a lot about work ethic and um, the type of coach you are because uh, – George, uh, uh, George only had one speed, and that was full speed, and he expected everybody to, to um, basically uh, run at the same pace he did. And so 
knowing that 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 and he started his career at Georgia Tech um and so as a GA and then um in recruiting so he knew that we were different and he understood the nuances of uh that when we talk about the us being different academically he had already he knew exactly what he was getting into and saw the uh saw the the real assets of being able to differentiate yourself from our athletic competition because of our academic, um, because of uh, the nature of our um, uh, nature of the institute. And then he left Georgia Tech and went to work for uh, Nick Saban. Um, and from Nick Saban, ended up uh, with Dan Mullins, who comes directly out of the Urban Meyer tree. So here I am. I'm looking at a guy, Georgia Tech experience. The seal of approval from George O'Leary, who I think is um, one of, one of the greatest greatest mentors of young coaches, because when you see where his tree's gone and who they work for, and how many of uh, the the great coaches out there, if you've worked for George O'Leary, that's good enough for guys <laughs> like Nick Saban, and. Um, and then uh, his background as a defensive coordinator at, at um, both Mississippi State and the University of Florida. Uh, the fact that he was here as a recruiting coordinator in 07 when um, we signed a phenomenal class and uh, with uh, Nesbitt and Dwyer and, and um, Burnett and Morgan. Um, so it was just a combination of background, he grew up in Conyers, um, so very familiar with uh, Atlanta specifically, uh, the Southeast in general, coaching tree, um, and 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 just his his demeanor, his his energy, his bandwidth. You could tell right away that he loves to recruit. It's not something that he has to do. I mean, he loves to recruit, and so he was. I wasn't expecting him to um, blow me away the way he did. When did you meet with him? When did you formally interview him? Uh, it would have been uh, it would have been after the uh, Hall of Fame festivities in New York um, uh, Wednesday of last week. Okay, and and now the induction ceremony for Calvin was on a Tuesday, or was it on that Wednesday? It was Tuesday, so okay. it was uh, Tuesday night. Monday we had. Uh, a nice function uh, that the ACC we had um, the ACC had uh, Mac Brown, uh, Coach Beamer, um, uh, Ed Reed, and um, and Calvin all go in. So they threw a really really nice reception. Uh, so we did that Monday. I I, I was um, I had the honor of introducing Calvin uh, to the um, to the group, which was great. Tuesday was the actual um, Hall of Fame itself, and then. Um, and then Wednesday is when I got to meet with Jeff. Uh, in the vetting process of Coach Collins, it, it, at the introductory press conference, you mentioned that you lean on Sports Source Analytics, which is either founded by or run by Georgia Tech grads. Founded by. Founded yeah, by Georgia yeah. Tech grads. And so they do a lot of the, the deep analytics of programs and their efficiency and, and breaking down some of the offensive and defensive tendencies. Um, what did you learn about Coach Collins's? teams at Temple uh, from Sports Source Analytics that further confirmed to you that this is a guy whose success could translate to Georgia Tech? 
Well, the 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 thing that um, you know, obviously, when you're looking at some really really successful coaches, you're you're starting to split hairs, and um, and uh, so I think that uh, one of the things that um, that they were able to help me with was um, identify uh, really what what a program looked like before he got there and what it looked like after he got there. And through those, um, through those differentiators, you can see the impact that a coach is having on a program. And so while uh, uh, some of it is, um, you know, first down efficiency and, uh, you know, tackles for a loss. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, and, like, what kind of numbers they presented to you? Oh, you end up with a huge profile. Wow. And they, they slice and dice everything. Um, but, um, they really, you know, dig deep into, um, some of it is they, they can, you can get sucked into the weeds pretty easily. But, uh, what I was really looking for was impact on a program. Um, what did recruiting look like, uh, prior to, um, a coach's arrival at a certain place as far as ratings concerned, what did it look like after? So you can see the differential did this person actually make a difference Mm -hmm. um and so that's where you're you know for me just wanting to see are you winning because of the program or the institution or is it plug and play could anybody do it or is this a person that made a difference and um in the case of jeff collins i uh everywhere he went um there was an uptick in whether it's defensive efficiency um when he became a defensive coordinator or recruiting or or whatever so so you just weren't relying on them for intel from his temple days you're talking about when he was at mississippi state florida and evaluating some of the numbers from when he was overseeing the defenses there yes oh yeah they you you look at the bra uh, basically the the body of work and um hiring a, a head football coach i think for an athletic director there's not i don't know that there's much uh there, there's not a more important decision um, that, and I, I think as ads we make important decisions all the time. But hiring a football coach is definitely up there. So, I really wanted to make sure that I, um, I, did, I, I uh, left no stone unturned, and 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 wanted basically to to read as much and know as much about all the candidates. Um, so that I, I, I hopefully could make the best decision I could make. And not a lot of time with which to do it either. Right. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. It is a sprint. And so you're, you are trying to make this very, very uh, important decision and um, as quickly as you can. And, and I know um, I, I, I'm really thankful for, um, for Dr. Peterson because he was kind of uh, one, he was he was very helpful, and um, not only in the as part of the process, but a sounding board. And and I, I, I'm fortunate; I've got a president that actually played the game, and so um, we could have those conversations. And um, and so I, I just remember; I, I think is us. Uh, Subsequently, I've heard him say to whether it's faculty groups or, or other colleagues that you know when a dean you know when a, a dean or an administrator were to retire in a similar situation, 
you know, the institutional will put a committee together and do a search that may last, you know, six, seven months. And in this case... You were the committee, and, and, it, and it was 10 days. And it, Yeah, and it is a speed dating uh, exercise that has uh, some pretty important ramifications. So um, having, uh, having Bud, uh, it, just his wisdom, the fact that he, he, he is a former player um, and uh, was, was extremely helpful. You have to be aware that for every athletic director, oftentimes his or her legacy is tied to who he or she hires as a football coach. Did that add any pressure to the search for you? Most definitely. I, I got to tell you, I did not sleep well uh, for that week because I felt it. Um, I knew that this is uh, a decision that um, is going to affect the, the future of Georgia Tech football and uh, really just wanting to make the best decision I could make um, uh for the Institute. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I felt the pressure. <laughs> well, it seems like <laughs> the, the, the initial feedback from Georgia Tech fans has been very enthusiastic. They're latching on to Coach Collins's energy. He said that Friday would be the first time he'd, he'd be out at Georgia Tech practice. He's keeping a very respectful distance because he knows that Coach Johnson and his staff and, and this crop of players, they want to finish out their season the right way. Uh, it is an interesting dynamic, though, because you have a coach who is retiring uh, or stepping away in Coach Johnson's cage, and he and his staff, you know, still have business to take care of. They still want to win this bowl game, but you also have Coach Collins coming in, and he's trying to lay the groundwork for his staff and set up shop for his program. I can't imagine there's a lot in the athletic director's playbook for handling this type of of transition. Have you leaned on the wisdom or advice of any other athletic directors who have been through something similar? No, I think it's it really just comes down to. Right. You know, I, I want to treat people right, and I want to be able to honor um, Paul and 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 his legacy here, uh, and also put Jeff in the best position to be successful. So it's um, it's just one of those really just relying on what what's the um, what's what's the tech way, mm -hmm. and I think that's really what a lot of from what I've heard from. Tech fans, alums, the thing that they uh, appreciate uh, maybe the most about this entire process is how respectful it's been, how, um, how uh, it's been done in a way that I think makes them proud. And I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I'm just extremely um, gratified that... Uh, that we've been able to do it um, uh, uh, as quickly as we've been able to do it. Um, the transition is going smooth. We're um, protecting the, the current team and, and staff from the standpoint of letting them focus on winning game number eight um, up in Detroit. Um, Jeff is, um, respects Coach Johnson a lot. I mean, you know, Coach Johnson is in in coaches' circles. Uh, He's he, held in the highest regard for his, is, his offensive genius. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason nobody wants to play us, and it's because of Coach Johnson. So, 
it's um I think it's been a really uh it's been a great transition and that's really a credit to everybody involved coach Johnson uh coach Collins uh the staff and um and so uh it's uh I, I, I feel um, really proud for Georgia Tech and how this has happened. Very nice. Coach Condon said uh, in a radio interview on Friday that he was planning on being up in Detroit at the Quick Lane Bowl and uh, hopefully seeing players that will soon be a part of his program finish the season with an eighth win and 83rd in the career of uh, Paul Johnson. I know one of the upsides of playing in Detroit is well, that's about as close as you can get to Mississauga. That is you know, your hometown. Yeah, because Buffalo doesn't have a bowl game. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it is. Uh, I'll tell you one fan that's really really happy, and that's my mom. <laughs> I, oh, I could imagine so. Yeah, all this time she's had to come down to Atlanta. Now you're coming close to her. Yeah. Not to mention you can get some Tim Hortons when you're up there. Tim Hortons, a little poutine, uh, maybe some Alexander Keiths. What's Alexander Keiths? Uh, it's a, for the uninitiated or for the tech fan who might be making that sojourn up to Detroit. It is a great lager. Okay, okay. And, I should have uh, known. It's out of Nova Scotia, but you just can't get it outside of Canada. Really? Yeah, no, okay. it's hard to get. So I may have, in fact, I'm going to get my passport uh, renewed today. Just <laughs> you so bringing some cases across just, the border so is what can, you're saying? Just so I can slip across for a couple of refreshments. You know, you've had a pretty busy 10 days. I'm sure that'll <laughs> taste pretty good. I think you've deserved it. Well, it is the season. Well, that's true. And you can toast the new hire as well. And you can <laughs> yeah. potentially toast one last win in the career of Paul Johnson as well. So the Quick Lane Bowl, it is the first time Georgia Tech is playing in the bowl. It's the first time since 1972 they'll be playing in the state of Michigan. Um, I, I know your you know, understanding of the fact that not all Georgia Tech fans were enthralled with the news that uh, they'll be playing in the Quick Lane Bowl. They might have had visions based on the way the season ended that they could be going to uh, you know, New York City or Charlotte or some of the other bowl destinations for the ACC. Can you take us behind the curtain a little bit and explain uh, just how, how it all came about? Well, also, I think this, this is something you wanted to convey. There are a lot of positives to Georgia Tech playing in Detroit, playing against Minnesota, playing in this particular bowl as well. Uh, most definitely. And, uh, of course, we're excited for the opportunity to, to go to Detroit and play, play a, uh, a Big Ten opponent. Um, I think that anytime you've got an opportunity to to play another Power Five school in a in a uh, marquee matchup like that is is really important. Um, and so I'm really uh, excited about being able to play Minnesota up there. Um, you know, we had a log jam in this conference. Um, so by rule, there's you know there's tiers of how. Um, how teams get placed at the at the top end. So, so by rule, um, you know, three teams: Syracuse, NC State, and and Pitt, um, all ended up getting placed first, either because they were uh, division champs in the case of Pitt, or they had nine wins, so two more um, than um, than than us seven win teams, which left five of us um, vying for two spots. And uh, in those top, in those um, tier one bowls, and 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 once you get into that, you're looking at repeats, and because uh, they never want to send the same team back to uh, the same bowl multiple times in a short period of time. You're looking at regional matchups. You're looking at 
alumni bases in different areas and all those kinds of things. And, um, you know, quite frankly, we had a lot of seven, uh, seven win teams, uh, which was a pretty unusual year. And because of that log jam, um, and, and the way that, that, uh, teams get placed, uh, we ended up, uh, in Detroit, but the great thing about going to Detroit, in addition to having a uh, 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 a Power Five matchup, uh, which is the we're the only ACC team that that isn't in one of the Tier One bowls that it has a has a uh, a Power Five matchup, and it's uh, obviously a Big Ten school. But in addition to that, um, giving our student athletes an opportunity to play on a pro field that we have a pretty significant connection to. Um, so being able to go up there, uh, a, a city that loves Calvin Johnson, he'll be at the game. Oh, good. He's coming to the game, awesome. and him and his family will be there, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, and then in addition to that, because of the date, which is the 26th, um, they really do a great job of making sure that the student athletes have a phenomenal time over Christmas, and so um, the uh, you know while I know the distance and the date and um, all those types of things um, you know are, are disappointing to some. Uh, the other part of it is we will be the only game on TV, and I don't know about you, but most people I know on the 26th are laying around watching football if they're not actually at the game. So it, it, it's also a great platform for us to play a Big Ten opponent, um, and uh, and then it's indoors. That's not bad either. That's true. Yeah, you know, seventy-two. Pin- It'll be seventy-two. No the, humidity. I mean, even the Belt Bowl can get pretty frigid. Oh, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you look around, and unless you're in, um, you know, Pasadena or Southern California or Florida, there's there's always a good chance mm-hmm. that you're going to be playing in 48 and rain. So yeah. um, we're, we're guaranteed uh, 72 degrees. Ideal conditions. <laughs> Ideal with conditions. With Tony Leather against the Golden Gophers. Um, getting back to that five-team logjam with seven wins, uh, how, how much lobbying – goes on that Sunday when bowl bids are extended? Well, you definitely make your pitch, um, and you basically uh, make sure that everybody, including the bowls that are making the selections, recognize what you can bring to the table. Um, so where you're, you know, your alumni base in those specific, specific areas, uh, the tickets you've been able to sell um, in prior bowls. Uh, so... That's important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those types of things are important. Um, In our case, uh, we wanted to make sure that the Bulls all knew that um, this was probably uh, Paul Johnson's last game, which we felt um, uh, created a a storyline that that we felt was, um, you know, would be a differentiator for us. But yeah, you you throw everything in there in the kitchen sink, mm-hmm. and you you make personal phone calls. I was gonna say, who who makes the calls? Is it just the ads? Is it the deputies? Who, who's making the calls? Is it to the bowls themselves, the bowl committees, to the ACC? How does it all work? You're talking to the, to the um, to the bowl, uh, the typically the executives uh, okay. at the bowl. You're also talking to the conference about what you're where. Um, 
you know, your interests are based on, and a lot of it is fan base. We want our fans to be able to come to the game. So you're, you're pushing those. And so not, it's not necessarily that you think one bowl's better than another. Um, a lot of times it's, uh, we know that if we play in a certain town, we got a lot of alums there, then we'll one, be able to sell a lot of tickets and, um, our fans, it'll be convenient for our fans to get there. So, I mean, all of that goes into it, and um, and so uh, and it, as the AD, you're making calls. Uh, Mark Roundtree, who's my deputy and and the football administrator, he's making calls, and so um, you 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 um, you basically put your best foot forward and make sure that as they're making the decisions that they need to make they have all the information that you think is pertinent to your institution. Do schools in their lobbying efforts say to a bowl, hey, if we play here, I can guarantee you that we're going to sell X number of tickets? I don't is that, know. Is that part of it or no? No, I mean, I don't know that um, – I mean, some people may. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, for the most part, you're just – you're just um, – telling your story mm-hmm. you know a lot of it is footprint a lot of it is you know what, what what's your historical uh what have you done historically um and that's why whenever your fans have an opportunity to come to your bowl games um they really should because it always sets you up for the next one mm-hmm. what you did that the last one can set you up for the next one so uh, fan base and um, it is it is it, it plays a role. Well, I know that uh, Georgia Tech fans, the excitement started to mount for that quick lane bowl. Excitement started to mount for sending Paul Johnson off with with one last win. If you got a question for a future edition of the Toddcast, you can always do so. You can tweet the athletic director at GT Todd Stansbury. You can tweet me at Andy Demetra, or you can drop your question in using the hashtag Toddcast. You know the drill by now. Uh, I had a question come in, Coach, about what Georgia Tech can do better to fill the student sections. Yeah, and I think our, our students are great, and and um, and uh, we're continuing to work with them to how do we uh, uh, create a better student uh, a better student environment for them, um, just like all the other fans that come. Uh, one of the things that we do here that uh, may be a little counterproductive is. Uh, we actually split our students, and so if you if you've been to Bobby Dodd, you have uh, students in the north end zone and the south end zone. So we're looking in the uh, in the future consolidating our, um, our our student section so that all of our students are together, uh, so that we can focus on how do we uh, enhance the amenities that we can provide students and 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 now that there's so much um, uh, exposure. Uh, being put on student sections, my goal is, uh, and anybody that's watched any games on TV this year, um, I think it's Taco Bell has a, you know, best student section in the in in the country um, uh, competition going on. So my goal, and I'm working, and we're working with our student um, leadership, is how do we make sure that Georgia Tech student section gets mentioned as a contender for that recognition. And I really believe that we can, um, but we got to be more deliberate on um, how do we uh, create an environment, um, uh, 
make it so that the, the students want to come. Um, and then, and, and also not us just, you know, um, going to them and saying, Hey, we need you to come, but how can we work together? So those, um, those discussions are, are ongoing on with the students. Um, uh, but it's my goal to, um, to have our student section recognized, um, because, Sometimes they arrive a little late. By the end, they're it, it's pretty full. Yeah. And uh, if you look at um, Miami, Virginia, I mean, we had full student sections, and I don't know um, how much of uh, and and you know, and they became very very important in that Virginia game. Oh yeah. And so I think that's the other thing: them recognizing the importance, and they set the tone. It's like anything that the student sections set the tone. And so we definitely want to do all we can do to um, enhance that experience for the students and have them uh, uh, make the impact they can uh, on those games. So consolidating the student section, having them all in the north end zone, is that a goal of yours for 2019? Yeah, that's something that we're working on, uh, and we've had uh, some uh, um, early discussions with uh, different student groups, just talking to them about it. And um, and so... Uh, you know, it's one of those that we obviously want their input and those types of things. But I think by splitting our student section the way we do, it ends up being counterproductive in, in creating the kind of um, uh, student environment that we want to create. And then should that come to pass, would South End Zone for now be general admission? I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, we okay. haven't really got to that point yet. All right, let's turn to another question. OD wanted to know on Twitter, has the Adidas rollout met your expectations? Yeah, I would say, uh, especially for the student athletes, uh, uniforms and gear—they uh, are incredibly um, uh, excited about their options that they have and what they have. Uh, I think the um, the uh, uniform reveals for both um, uh, football and and our two basketballs were great events, um, and. Uh, and I, I just know that our, our student athletes and their um, they are really pleased with what they've got from the standpoint of of just the quality and uh, the the options. Um, and so um, that's gone well. I know that there's been frustration with uh, fan base and being able to you know um, being able to uh, see a maybe a, a larger selection of gear, but. You know, we started from scratch on this one, and, uh, and and Adidas as well, and so we really had to accelerate the whole, really the whole process, because normally uh, retail orders a year in advance and all those kinds of things. Well, we didn't have a year in advance, and so our uh, our our time frames were all shortened. So I think people will start to see more and more options, more gear out there um, as as we as we get into a, a, a normal buying cycle, a normal design cycle. And, uh, but as far as the overall um, uh, experience with Adidas, it's been great. And I know our student athletes have loved it. It's probably an understandable question considering it's holiday shopping season. So just wait until next holiday shopping season. You should have more options to stuff your stockings with Georgia Tech Adidas gear. Uh, Akshay wanted to know... Um, 
What changes or factors would you point to that has led to the recent uptick in sporting success, especially this fall when you look at volleyball postseason for the first time since 2009, uh, women's cross country finishing number 28 nationally, and the success, the success that you've had across some of the other sports? You know, I think it's um, – I, I think that all of our coaches, um, one, I think uh, we're all kind of – we're all uh, elevating our game. What is our expectation? And, uh, you know, people have asked me since I've been here, what's the expectation? The expectation is we're going to compete for championships across the board. And, and so being able to provide our student athletes and our coaches the resources that they need so that they can compete um, in the ACC. And my feeling is that if we're competing for the ACC championships, that puts us in a conversation for national championships. So I think you're just seeing um, all, the, all of our coaches have really embraced um, the idea that we're going to compete across the board. And so um, it's, uh, it's exciting. I mean, when you look at the fall alone, um, and and where our where our teams are, and of course golf, uh, you know golf uh, ranks second, and and I know women's tennis is is going to go into their season ranked in the top ten uh, preseason. Men's uh, swimming and diving is seventeenth, and volleyball in postseason, and um, wins against Georgia this fall, and volleyball, golf, women's cross country, men's cross country, and women's basketball. Um, on the women's cross country side, uh, being, uh, they finished the season, uh, uh, 28th in the country and that's their best finish since, uh, 2001. So a lot of great, great things going on and, um, couldn't be prouder of the way that our, uh, our coaches and our student athletes are, are, are competing. And we look forward to carrying that success over the winter. If you had been waiting to purchase a ticket, by the way, to the Georgia Tech Georgia basketball game on the 22nd, you're out of luck because a couple of days ago, they announced that as a sellout Georgia Tech, speaking of Adidas, we wearing those new winter white uniforms and they'll try to break those in with. Another win over the Bulldogs. All right, that wraps up this week's edition, this month's edition of the Toddcast. Man, we covered a lot of ground. I guess that's what happens when you got a lot of things going on. Yeah. We'll see if we can get that Alexander Keith sponsorship now for the Toddcast. Yeah, or at least Tim Hortons. I think so. We'll, we'll, we'll make some meetings up in uh, in Detroit. Hey, let me uh, let me also make a plug. AI 2020. Yeah. Um, we, uh, obviously our goal is 125 million. We have surpassed 50 million. Uh, so we've got a lot of momentum there. And I know that as people have to figure out what they need to do with that, um, uh, extra, uh, uh, th- those assets they may have lying around and they've got these, t- how to take care of some of their tax problems. AI 2020 would be a great way um, to help uh, take care of tax issues and help Georgia Tech Athletics. Perfect way to end the Toddcast. We appreciate that. All right, once again, folks, like, listen, subscribe. We're available on iTunes. We're available on the Google Play Market. We're, of course, available on all of our Georgia Tech Athletics media platforms. Thanks so much for listening. And Todd Stansbury, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, he's the Athletic Director, Todd Stansbury. I'm Andy Demetra. Thanks once again for listening to the Toddcast, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. The Todd Stansbury Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go Jackets!